4, Genesis chapter 5, and we'll get there. But for now, join with me as we read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that comes to him must believe that God is, and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently, earnestly, sincerely, wholeheartedly seek him. Let us pray. Father God, in the matchless name of your son, Jesus Christ, we bow in your presence with humble adoration. God, we are taken by the thought that you really know us. Every single intricate detail of our being was known by you even before we were formed in our mother's wombs. And yet by your sovereign grace, called us to yourself. God, we thank you that you have not left us comfortless, but you have provided for us none other than the parakletos, the Holy Spirit who comes alongside us. He is our attorney. He is our advocate. He is the one who convicts us of sin. And so, God, we ask that the Spirit of God would do his work as we would turn our attention to your unadulterated, infallible, absolutely authoritative word that we might bow in obedience to what thus saith the Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. And the church said amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for all of you who are joining us. And we do ask you as you take your seats that you would be mindful of the new church address for sending your tithes and offerings. Uh, please be mindful of that. Uh, make your bank aware if you're sending your checks and tithes uh, to the church. Send them to our P.O. Box, which is in Middletown, Delaware, so that we are able to uh, facilitate the, re the, the receiving of our mail more, more fluently. So thank you for that. Thank you for your obedience. We are continuing our series of messages. I'm entitled, Frame Your Focus by Faith. By Faith. And we need that truth to be a part of our lives more than ever before. As I prepared to share this message uh, from Hebrews chapter 11, I was reminded of a, a visit that I was required to make three weeks ago. I was assigned to visit a man who was described as terminally ill, and although he was a total stranger to me, my intention was to go to his room and to speak a word of encouragement. To my surprise, uh, when I arrived, what I expected was not the case. This man was very, very upbeat and positive and overflowing with joy. And then he began to share his medical journey with me. He said that five years ago, he was diagnosed with an incurable lung disease 
And his physicians from Temple University Hospital informed him that if he did not have a double lung transplant, that he was going to die. And so he was placed on the lung transplant waiting list. And he waited for months, and it got longer and longer. The days seemed like weeks, and the weeks seemed like months. And then finally, he concluded that as his body was declining, that he was going to die before the transplant. And so he called his wife into the bedroom, and he asked her to begin to record his request for his funeral services. And as he was making preparations for his funeral and burial, he received a call from his physicians at Temple University Hospital. We have found your lungs. Come immediately to the hospital. Now, what really stood out to me, aside from the fact of his excitement that he discovered that he was, in fact, going to get this double lung transplant, is what he kind of casually and even obscurely shared. He said, I, I never understood this, but the doctor told me as I waited, he kept reminding me to keep my bags packed. Keep my bags packed. And he said, as I was preparing to make my way to the hospital, he said, it finally dawned on me that the reason the doctor had told me to keep my bags packed is because he didn't know the moment or the hour that the call was going to come. But every second represented for this man who needed a double lung transplant, life or death. Tell somebody, keep your bags packed. And then you can add this, by faith. Now, you and I may never need a double lung transplant, but God could call you or I home at any time. In fact, the Bible says, be ye also ready for such a time you think not. And obviously, that has reference to the return of the Lord, but it also has reference to the same God who breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. And the Bible says he became a living nephage, a living, a living soul. And from that day on, that corpse, that clay temple became a living person. But the same God who breathed into Adam life could say to any of us, it is appointed unto you once to die, but after this is the judgment. God could call any of us home today. That's why we want to keep our bags, keep our bags packed. Enoch, the Old Testament patriarch, kept his bags packed. That's why we read in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, he was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had a testimony that pleased God. And as I've already read, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, that God exists, and that he is a reward of them who diligently seek him. Enoch kept his bags 
pack, for the Lord took him. He did not die. Although many of us have learned about Enoch in our Sunday schools as children growing up, there's very little recorded in the Bible about this great hero of the faith. In fact, if you studied the entire canon of Scripture, you would discover that there are only 180 words attributed to this great man that never saw death. Yet in Hebrews chapter 5, the Bible says he pleased God and was never allowed to see death. Now, what's interesting about that, as we're going to see, that in the entire Bible, there are only two individuals who left this earth to go from here to there into the presence of God who were permitted never to see death and its decay. There was no funeral service where a corpse had to be observed. 2 Kings chapter 2 prophet Elijah was taken up into heaven by a chariot of fire. He'd never, he'd never died. And the scripture does talk about a time that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be changed. That there's going to be a rapture and we're going to be caught up to meet him, those who are alive and remain. And so if we are alive and remain, we could get the same experience as Elijah and Enoch. But for the rest of us, uh, we will see the chilly Jordan, we will feel the cold hand of the death angel. But as I studied the life of Enoch, I said, if God could take him, why not me? And, and, and so I don't know about you, but his life reminds me of the importance of having my spiritual bags packed so that if God decided today, I love Sister Benson, but if God decided today, I love my children, but if God decided today that I, I, he wanted me to come to his heavenly home, I, I just hope that my bags have been sufficiently packed that I can depart without any regrets. Now, we're going to discover at least four things about this great cloud of witness in the person of Enoch from our study in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And the first thing that we can learn from his life that caused him to please God in such a way that God decided to allow him to skip the death class is that Enoch came to God when God called him. He came when he was called. A second thing that we're going to learn about this, this, this man of God is that he communicated with God by faith. Through prayer. He communicated with God by faith through prayer. Thirdly, we're going to discover that he committed himself to God by living faithfully for God. He committed himself to God by living faithfully. And finally, we're going to see that Enoch also communed with God through a spirit of habitual worship. Somebody say amen. Now, let me give you a background context of what we're going to be considering regarding those things I just shared. Now, as we read the account in Genesis chapter 5, and you can turn there uh, at this time. In verses 1 through 20, we read a very sobering epithet. Six times it is repeated. And the words are, and he died. And he died. 
and he died. And he died. But there is a dramatic interruption in that narrative when we come to verse 18 through 24, because the Bible doesn't say that Enoch died, but Enoch was taken and he was no more. And so the scripture tells us that Enoch was distinctive and pleased God during a time when others were not living for God because he walked with God. The, the Greek word for walk is peripateo. And it means one step at a time. He didn't run with God. He walked with God. One step at a time. The Bible says this. I say walk in the spirit. Doesn't say run in the spirit. Doesn't say sprint in the spirit. It said walk in the spirit so that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh because they are enmity. They're contrary one with another. And so he walked with God. Now what's interesting about this walk of Enoch with God it doesn't say that he walked before God as someone leading God somewhere. It doesn't say that he walked or followed God as someone who had to catch up with God because he wasn't in harmony with God's will. But the scriptures say that he, he walked, and it literally means that Enoch walked hand in hand side by side with God. Jesus had this in mind, I believe, in John chapter 15, verse 7, when he says, if you abide in me, if you walk with me hand in hand, side by side, and, and abide in my word, he said, you can ask whatever you will, and it will be done. It will be done. And so Enoch walked side by side, hand in hand, with God. Some of us, you, you, you've seen this in your own experience. We watch people as we've driven by walking. Uh, uh, we've seen people walking their dog, and, and, and you understand no matter how well you fed Fido, if you don't put a leash on that thing, uh, as you're walking your dog, the first time Fido sees a squirrel, he, that dog going to lose his mind and, and, and yank itself away from you, and now you're no longer walking Fido, you're chasing Fido. You've seen this as well, a, a, a mother a, a walking a, a young child and understanding that the child does not under, that understand the dangers of the road. She'll slow her pace and keep uh, her attention directly focused on that child because if she doesn't, the child would roam away for lack of understanding. We've also seen teenagers who walk together, they're, uh, they're heading to go a game and, and to, that they're going to watch or, or to a friend's house to, to hang out. We've seen that kind of walking as well. But here's another kind of walking that we've seen. We've seen a man and a woman walking down the street holding hands. They don't have to say anything. We, we, we understand that when, when a man and a woman are holding hands, what they are saying without Uttering a word is that he belongs to me and I belong to him. What they're saying by holding hands and walking side by side is that we got a thing going on and this ain't no Mrs. Jones thing. 
I want you to understand when the scripture says that Enoch walked with God hand to hand, what that simply means is that when it came to Enoch's relationship with God that caused him to please God and, 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 and he was pleased with God, it means that Enoch and God had a thing going on. A thing going on. Are you walking with the Lord? I believe if you're walking with the Lord, your bags will be packed. They'll be packed. Here's an evidence that he was walking with the Lord. Enoch came to God when God called. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 5 that Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah, the oldest man who ever lived in the Bible. After Enoch walked with God, after, afterwards, Enoch walked with God 300 years. The scripture reveals in that passage that Enoch did not always walk with God. For the first 65 years of Enoch's life, he lived a life that was not in harmony with the will of God. He, we would say today that Enoch was not saved for the first 65 years. He was religious, but he wasn't righteous. He, was, he, he understood things about God, as we're going to see but, but, but he had not internalized. He, it was simply intellectual for him. It wasn't applicational. After the death of Seth, Adam's third son, Adam had three sons. He had Cain and then it was Abel. And Seth was unlike Cain. He was like Abel. He was a godly son. And then there were, and, and after Seth died, four generations passed. And there's not one single righteous person referenced in the scriptures. That means that 3,672 years passed before you read in the scriptures that somebody walked with God. Enoch came to a place at age 65 where he broke the trend of five generations of people who did not know God who had no interest in God, raised in a pagan environment. In fact, uh, it, this was during the time that, uh, of Noah, when Noah was, Noah was kind of born towards the tail end of Enoch's life. And here's what the scripture says in Genesis chapter 6 about the time in which Enoch lived. He says, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of humans hearts was only on evil all the time. So Enoch lived during a time where God was preparing, as we're going to see next year, next week, that God was preparing the earth for divine judgment. Uh, we're going to discover next week, if you build it, they will come. If, the, if you build it, they will come. Now, Enoch came to God by faith. The Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that God is, that God is, that the true and living God really exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So the same way we come to faith in God through his son, Jesus Christ, I believe Enoch had that same experience based on the knowledge 
in the revelation that God had given during that time. The Bible says, but as many as receive Jesus, to them he gives the right to become the sons and daughters of God. And so when I receive, when I welcome and accept Christ, I am ushered into, I, am, I become a part of God's divine family. In the same way, Enoch became a part of God's family. He had to accept the promise of God's son by faith. The Bible says, now faith is a substance of things hoped for. The substance of things, the substance has reference to who God is, his, his character, his attributes, his perfection. And so my faith is based on nothing less than Christ, the solid rock I stand. The reason I know that what, I, what God has said will come to pass is because of the solid rock, the truthfulness. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should go back on his word. Everything that God has said is yes and amen. So the faith is a substance the substance is none other than God himself. He backs up his word by his own authority. And it's the evidence of things not seen. That is, everything that I see was created by what is unseen. Faith says that God said it, that settles it. And I believe that God knows what he's saying when he tells it to us. And therefore, I will be confident and, rep and compliant in obedience. So when I'm walking in obedience to what God has said, every time you obey the word, guess what you're doing? You're, you're exercising faith. You're exercising faith. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith. Walking means that you're being obedient. And as I'm obeying the word of God, I am exercising divine faith. So, well, if I can speak to the mountain, if I can walk on water like Jesus did. No, you don't have to walk on water. You just need to do what God says about every aspect of your life. And each time you do that, you're walking by faith. Somebody say amen. He had to accept the promise of God. The promise of God about the Messiah was given in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. After Eve disobeyed God and Adam followed in her footsteps rather than God's, God cursed the serpent. And he said to the serpent that I am going to put enmity. I am going to cause a conflict between the, 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 that the wound of the, what the woman will carry in birth between your seed and her seed. And you will bruise his heel, but he will mortally wound your head. And we understand that looking back from the death of Christ, that the bruising or the wound, bruising of Jesus' heel had reference to him dying on the cross as the one who knew no sin but became sin for us. And through his sacrificial death, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And so Satan, in fact, did bruise the heel of Jesus. And he was shouting a jig when Jesus said, it is finished. He thought it meant that Jesus was finished. But while Jesus was hanging on the cross, he forgot, yeah, it was only Friday. Sunday was still coming. Jesus said, if you destroy this body in three days, I'll raise it up again. And so when Christ rose from the grave on the third day, victorious over the grave and death and had the keys of life and death in his hands, he was able to say, all authority on earth and heaven has been given unto me. It was at that time that he fatally wounded the head of the serpent. And so Enoch could look back at that promise of the coming Messiah who would ultimately defeat Satan. And so by placing trust in that promise, Enoch was able to come to God. He had to also acknowledge his sins, just like we do. Like Adam, after he had sinned, the Bible says that God, God put, a, put the clothing of an animal's skin to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve. They were covered 
with, with, with an animal skin, which means that blood had to be shed. And so even as early as Adam sinned, the scripture teaches, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And so Enoch had to come to the position we understood that he needed to have his sins covered. He needed to have his sins pardoned. He needed them to be forgiven. And so he, in acknowledging that, just like we must, the Bible says all have sinned and we fall what? Short of the glory of God. We miss the mark and the penalty of our sin is what? The sin, penalty of sin is death. We are separated from God. But with the blood of Jesus, every sin, every sin, past, present, and future is canceled out. He had to allow the Lord to save him. He had the Lord to save him. After 65 years, Enoch trusted the Lord. Now, I want you to notice that adjective. He said, after he became the father of Methuselah. Isn't it interesting that we all have an after in our life? It was after the birth. Something about the birth of Methuselah, the miracle of life. Caused, caused Enoch to realize that there was something greater than him. It caused Eli, Enoch to, to realize that he needed that what was, which was greater than him. He needed that to, person to be in his life. And it was at that point, the Bible says, he walked with the Lord. I don't know what the after is in your life. I don't know when the light came on. I don't know what was going on in the circumstances of your experience that brought you to that place where you realized that if you didn't come to Jesus, I don't know if the Spirit of God was working on you in such a way where you had, where there was a, a problems at work, problems in your marriage, problems in your finances, maybe sickness had touched your body, but after this, you not only turned your life over to the Lord, but you started walking hand in hand with him. I believe after this pandemic, there are going to be a lot of broken people. There are a lot of people who are depressed and filled with anxiety, and some are on the brink of really ending it. They don't want to go on. They did 2020. You hear people, this has been the worst year of my life. But I believe that after this, the church that is going to be effective, the church that God is going to use, is going to be the Methuselahs in the lives of those who are coming out of their woundedness, coming out of their fears. Because the Bible says the harvest is plentiful. It's, the problem is not going to be with the harvest. It's going to be with the laborers. We ought to be getting prepared for after this. We want to be the Methuselahs in the Enoch's lives that we might bring people to deliverance and rescue them out. He allowed the Lord to save him. He acknowledged his sin. He accepted the promise of becoming Messiah. But he also communicated with God by faith to please him. In James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, it says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. And then verse 8, it says, But because a person that comes to God without faith is like a double-minded man. I want you to know that the, the, the Scripture has an interesting little twist. It says, but when you ask, it doesn't say you, it doesn't command us to ask or, 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 or give, 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 give some type of rebuke. It assumes that we are already praying. And so prayer to a Christian, as it was with Enoch, should be as natural as breathing oxygen from our lungs. Prayer to the Christian should be to 
every believer what the umbilical cord is to that infant in its mother's womb. It is through prayer that we receive the nourishment of God to know that he is able to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. But when that umbilical cord gets interrupted or twisted, just like when prayer is not occurring, when we go days and weeks and months without praying, that's the baby without blood. That's the baby without nourishment. That's the baby without life. A Christian without prayer in their, in, in their daily experience is like a baby without nourishment. And you, by all intents and purposes, may be physically alive, but spiritually, there's deadness in your life. Someone say amen. Prayer is assumed by Christians, and when we pray, we shall all pray in faith. That's what Enoch did, but faith pleases God. Faith claims the promises of God as already done because God said so. People that walk with God talk with God. Say that with me. People that walk with God talk with God. You can't really walk with God and say it in a different way without talking with God. When you ask, again, when we, the, the, by asking God and spending time with him in prayer, what that will reveal is how much you really believe about the word of God. Let me, let me run on. Prayer is our response to God's word. The Bible, when we read it and study it, is God talking to us. When we pray, it is God, it is us talking to God. You can't have a one-way conversation. So unless you are talking to the God who is revealing to you about himself in his word, you are not in communication with him. One of the things that was true of Enoch is that he stayed in communication with God. Prayer is our response to the word of God, our response to the revelation of God. Prayer and pleasing God are inseparable. You cannot please God if you are a Christian who is not in the habit of praying. In fact, the apostle Paul said this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. He said, prayer is good and pleasing in God's, the Savior's sight. God is pleased when we cry out. He actually says that the fervent, effectual prayers of the righteous have great benefit. Just like when Elijah prayed, and for three and a half years, it didn't rain because he prayed. The scripture says we have not because we ask not. If you are not, it is impossible to please God without having a life that is saturated and committed to prayer. A man went in for a job interview. He was really struggling. He'd been unemployed for a while. He just wanted a job. And when he got the interview, he blew the interviewers away. They were just amazingly impressed. This guy was the perfect person for the position. And they said, look, we can't hire you today, but you might, you can consider it done. Uh, you'll be hearing from us in the next few days, and we will just be setting up a time when you can start work. And so he was so happy. He went home and told his family. A day went by. A week went by. Two weeks went by. Three weeks went by. And finally he said, I'm going to call the never called me. They said I would have the job. So he called them, and, and he talked to the, 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 uh, the director of the program. He said, listen, have you made a decision, and when are you going to let me know? He said, well, we called you three weeks ago to tell you you had a job. He said, well, we just assumed that you found another position because you never called us. I want you to know that there are blessings that God has in store for you. God has, he's simply waiting for you to call. God is simply waiting for you to make that, make that appeal and cry out to him in humble adoration through prayer. 
Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who give it to all men liberally. When you go to God, he says, I will be generous in my response to you, and I will give you wisdom. He's waiting for the call. Will you call him up? Is God on your speed dial? Is God a part of your Twitter account? Is God on your Facebook? Is he on your friend list? How do you know how friendly you are with God? By how often you're talking to him. The Bible tells us, the, but first seek ye the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things. How are they going to be added unto you? Through praying and petitioning before God. The Bible says you men ought to always pray lest you faint. Much prayer, much power. No prayer, no power. Enoch was a man of prayer. He was a man who communicated with God because you can't walk with God without talking to God. Prayer is our response to the revelation of God. You still with me? Stay with me, church. Stay with me. He also, Enoch was committed to God. The Bible says he walked with God for 300 and 240 years of his adult life before he was taken home. He walked with God. That's commitment. That's dedication. That means that he remained faithful under pressure. He was the only person after 3,672 years that decided, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey what I've understood about what God requires. Nobody else, no, nobody was inviting him to their fellowships, even in his own home, in his community. Enoch wasn't a popular guy, but he took the position that Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do what? Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is the least you can do. And here's what, here's what Enoch did. Enoch said, and be not conformed. Don't be squeezed into the mold of this world. You may be the only one standing for Jesus at your job. You may be the only one who was like a, 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 a Caleb who said, ask for me and my house. I don't know about the rest of you jokers, but ask for me. Joshua said, ask for me and my house. We will, we will serve the Lord. Bible said, come out from among them and be ye separate, said the Lord, and touch not the unclean things. Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. So what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? Enoch was willing to take a stand and be by himself. Are you willing to stand for the Lord under the pressure of being left out, being disliked, not being included, not being unfriended? Are you willing to talk about Jesus? Enoch was dedicated. He remained faithful to God under pressure. Enoch refused to be silent about the Lord. The Bible says, for before he was taken, he had this testimony. Well, I just, I don't have to say anything about the Lord. I just let my light shine. But the Bible says, be ready to give an answer to every man who asks of a reason of the hope that's within you with fear and trembling. Yeah, you let your light shine become the message, but sometime you got to open up your mouth and say, I love Jesus, and Jesus loves you, and here's how you can come to know him. In fact, when you read the book of Jude, in verses 14 and 15, it says that, that Enoch preached for that 240 years he lived. He preached against false doctrine. He preached about coming judgment. He refused to be silent. You want to be like Enoch? You get in your bags packed? Are you the kind of Christian who's not willing to be silent? Is there enough evidence if you went to the court of law today and someone would say, no, she, he ain't no real Christian. They ain't say, well, let's, okay, let's prove it. Let's see what evidence. Is there enough evidence to prove that you're a Christian? 
Would your silence about Jesus denying him before men, would that put you in, if it was a matter of life and death and you're going to spend the rest of your life in jail, would you spend the rest of your life in jail based on your lack of testimony about who Christ is? Enoch refused to be silent about the Lord. He also, Enoch relied on the strength from, he relied on God's strength to, to make it through. He was able to experience what the Apostle Paul talks about when you get an opportunity in First and Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. Here's what Paul, the Apostle, says. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Everyone deserted me. But here's verse 17. It says, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Eli, Enoch needed the strength of the Lord to stand alone in a world like the one we live in, that people aren't talking about God. Well, I, was read, I read the book of Revelation uh, last week, and I told you all, you don't need to do that right about now. You might want to read another book, like 1 John or Philippians. I read the book of uh, Revelation, and, and one of the things that I saw twice, in chapter 7 and 13, it says, and the Lord released these uh, demons from the abyss, abyss and the pit, and he allowed the, the demons to torment people for seven months. They were in so much pain, they, they cried out to die. They wanted to die. They asked the very rocks that fell to fall on them, and, and, and so they were in total, total agony, total misery and pain, but one thing they didn't do, they never cried out and asked God to forgive them. Even in their pain and suffering, they still didn't turn to God. I believe right now we're going through all of this pandemic and job depression and, 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 and all of the things that are happening in the world. Uh, God is saying, cry out to me. And instead, people say, I'd rather die before I turn. Enoch relied on the strength of the Lord. A young man was told about an old elderly Christian who, who had this fire and commitment to Christ. He'd been walking with the Lord for multiple decades. And so I just want, he said, I just want to meet this Christian. Uh, and he went to the man's house. He lived on the farm. And he said to the elderly gentleman, he said, you know, most of the Christians that I meet, after the second year of salvation, they lose their love and zeal for the Lord. And Christianity come, becomes nothing but a routine, mundane uh, road experience where they go to church maybe twice a week, and then that's their Christian duty, and that's the extent of they have no fire, no excitement. You wouldn't know them from a, 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 a pagan neighbor, except for the fact that they go to church. He said, well, well, what is it about you? Is it really true that you love Jesus the way you did when you first met him? He said, yes, I did. He said, well, what, so, well, well could you explain how you maintain your dedication and commitment? So, well, let me tell you a story. He said, one day I was sitting on the porch of my, uh, uh, at the back, of the back of my house, and my dog saw a big rabbit. And my dog just took off chasing after the rabbit. I said, I've never seen my dog run so fast and so hard. He ran down hills. He ran through tunnels. He ran through bushes. He jumped over fences. He ran in between fences. And as my dog was chasing this big rabbit, all, all the dogs in the area started chasing after my dog as he chased after the rabbit. And this went on for about 30 minutes. They just running back and forth, over and under. And he said, before long, every single dog, one by one, except my dog, stopped chasing. And then, he, then the old man stopped telling the story. And the young guy says, question, he said, well, what does that mean? Then? Would you help a brother out here? How does that relate to your being on fire for the Lord? He said, you did. He said the old elder man said, look. You didn't ask the right question. He said, you should have asked, why did my dog continue to chase? He said, the reason my dog kept chasing is because my dog saw the rabbit. The other dog never saw him. 
I want you to know, when you have seen Jesus, when you have experienced him as the apostle Paul says, he said, I have been apprehended in the same way the Lord has chased me and captured me. I want to apprehend him. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I am willing to even identify with his suffering. I'm chasing after him because I've seen him and I've learned that he's altogether lovely. I've learned that he's altogether faithful. I've learned that anything that I need in my hour, in the midnight hour, he's there. In the Oh, I've seen him, and that's why I give him my best. That's why I don't believe in being mediocre, mediocre with the Lord. That's why I don't throw things together when it comes to him, because he has never given me anything less than the absolute best. Am I right about it? Somebody ought to praise him. Are you committed to the Lord like that? Are you chasing after him? Are you committed that you want to know him the way he knows you? Are you thinking about the Lord when you get up in the morning, during the day? Isn't he sweet? I know that he's the sweetest name. The sweetest name. I know Enoch was committed. He came when the Lord called he communicated with him through prayer by faith. He was committed to the Lord by living faithfully for him. But Enoch was also, he communed with God. Somebody say commune with God. Enoch was a worshiper. He never saw God. The Bible says that God is spirit and they that worship him must what? Worship him in spirit and truth. Enoch worshiped God in spirit and truth. What it means to be a spirit and truth worshiper means that you worship God based on accuracy, the revelation of his word. You're, our worship is a response to the, to the revelation of God's word, what God has said. And it's authentically, you can't fake worship. And when I'm, when I'm authentically worshiping God, when I'm being genuine about it, that means that I'm giving God what he wants and not what I want to give him. That's why I said worship is hard because worship ain't about you. It's not about me. It's about him. My focus is on him when I'm worshiping. I'm giving God what he deserves. I'm giving God what he wants. And if he wants me flat on my face, I'm going to be on my face. If he wants me raising my hands, I'm about to raise my hand. If I I gotta clap if I gotta run if I gotta shout a little oh God because it's all about him Enoch, Enoch was a worshiper are you a worshiper are you showing God that he's worthy he's worthy he's worthy he's worthy some years ago some of you may remember Deaconess Thomas Mary Thomas she served here at the church I received a call from her daughter, and her daughter said, my mother is dying. Now, I had been visiting her periodically uh, during her illness, but now she was in hospice. And I told her daughter, I said, I'm on my way. Tell mom to hang on. So I get to the hospital, and mom, she is in a coma. And she's between earth and heaven. And her daughter grabbed me by my arm as the, after I, I prayed and holding her mother's hand. She said, my mother said for me to give you some things. And she said, would you, would you come, come to the corner of the room? And I want to give you the things that my mother told me to make sure I gave to you. And so she gave me a box. 
And she said, you probably doesn't, you don't know this pastor, but before you became the pastor, my mother was a church treasurer. For eight years, she kept the records of the church. And you would have thought that you were at, the way she kept those, those records, you would have thought that she was working for a multi-billionaire corporation. They were so organized, so clear. The books were clean, not dusty. They were all, they were in alphabetical order, numerical and chronological order. I was, I was like amazed. I had no idea. She never boasted about it, never made come, never even let me know until she passed. Now I'm standing there with this box of financial records of the church. And then she said, well, I have something else she told me to give you. She said, here are all of my mother's offering envelopes. When she was unable to come to church, she was unable to tithe. And she didn't want to leave here without giving the Lord what was his. And so she gave me her mother's tithes to, to give to the church. And then she said, well, well, here's one more thing. She had a letter that she wanted to give me. And so I, I opened the letter. I didn't know what to expect. It was a letter of resignation. And she said, Pastor, I sorrowfully and regretfully submit my resignation because I am no longer able to execute my assignment. When I read that, it broke my heart because I realized even after the fact, when I look back, I, I didn't get it then. But now I understand she had packed her bags. She kept her bags packed. She was ready to go because she had faithfully and effectively completed her ministry. I want you to know when you have faithfully fulfilled your ministry, your bags are packed. You're ready to go. And that's why God will be able to say to you, well done. Well done. Thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you rule over much. Are your bags packed? Are you fulfilling your ministry? Are you living in obedience to the Lord? Are you communicating with him? Do you come when he calls? Are you committed? Do you think about him during the day? Are you crying out to him during the day? Are you telling others about Jesus? Are you a worship? Are you willing to worship him right now? Somebody ought to praise him right now. You ought to give him glory right now because God will reward those who diligently seek him. Keep your bags. Keep your bags packed. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the testimony of Enoch. His bags were packed. He faithfully and fully completed his assignment. And Father, in comparison to the length of lives of those who had preceded him, we would say, that Enoch lived a short life. He lived 365 years. Adam lived to be 933. Methuselah lived to be 969. But Enoch died. And sometimes when the ones we love die in their early age, we say, oh, what a shame. But really, the question is, were their bags packed? Had they fulfilled their ministry? Because the only reason God still has you here is because your assignment is not complete. When your assignment is complete, we are leaving here for there's no other reason to be here. Are your bags packed?
What's going to happen when you have been called home? Will you have a testimony that says you please God? Father, we ask that this would be true of each and every one of us. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise